thou fount of every blessing, tune my heart to sing thy praise. Perhaps the lyrics that I most identify with, I don't know about you, is in a later verse where it says, prone to wonder, Lord, I feel it, prone to leave the God I love. Here's my heart, Lord, take and seal it, seal it for thy courts above. That's what we're going to be discussing this morning. The heart of the matter, Matthew chapter 15, we begin reading in verse 1. Pharisees and scribes came to Jesus from Jerusalem and said, Why do your disciples break the tradition of the elders? For they do not wash their hands when they eat. He answered them, And why do you break the commandment of God for the sake of your tradition? For God commanded, Honor your father and your mother. Whoever reviles father or mother must surely die. But you say, if anyone tells his father or his mother what you would have gained from me is given to God, he need not honor his father. So for the sake of your tradition, you have made void the word of God. You hypocrites, well did Isaiah prophesy of you when he said, this people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. In vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments Man. June 22nd, 2002 was a memorable day for those who decided to attend a scheduled ball game between the Chicago Cubs and the St. Louis Cardinals at Wrigley Field. The game ended up being canceled because the ace pitcher of that day, 33-year-old Daryl Kyle, who had been in the majors for 12 seasons, had been a three-time All-Star, was found dead in his hotel room. Just taken an autopsy on him a week before, he's six foot five, seemed to be the very image of perfect health. He looked good on the outside, but he had heart disease. He's 90% blocked. He died as a result. You know, it's possible to look good on the outside and be dead on the inside. What Jesus has to address with the Pharisees, because in the Scripture, the ones who are in the most danger are not those who are broken. The ones who are in the most danger are those who seem to have it all together. Because the great problem for us lies not from without, but from within. The greatest enemy you will ever face is you. The greatest enemy I will ever face is me. You get a witness to that? truth here. And Jesus reminds us that where our treasure is, there will our heart be also. All of this comes out of the heart. Martin Luther, great Protestant reformer who nailed the 95 Theses against the church of that day while on the run from the persecution of the church of the 1500s is said to have remarked, I fear my own heart more than the Pope and all his cardinals because I have within me the great Pope, self. And we know that traditions in and of themselves aren't a bad thing. This is what the Pharisees were desiring to uphold. Maybe you have family traditions around holiday times. Up until a couple of years ago, my family had a tradition of going to my aunt and uncle's house and getting lost every time we went there. Whatever direction we came from, traditionally, we got lost. We have traditions that need to be upheld, regardless of how you voted over this presidential election. Thank God that we live in a country where there is a peaceful transition of power. 228 years of that. And thank God we live in a country where you have the right to protest without freedom of being persecuted. 
Traditions are in and of themselves not bad things. And my fear is sometimes that in an age in which we try to squash all traditions that we end up throwing out the good along with the bad. And that doesn't serve anyone. We stand in a line of church history. We don't stand on our own. We stand on the shoulders of men and women who have gone before us going back millenniums. Traditions in and of themselves aren't wrong. But the problem occurs when we start treating things outside the Bible as if they're in the Bible. See, we often confuse principles with preferences and standards with styles. We ought to hold true to principles and standards, but preferences and styles we ought to be flexible with. And what Jesus comes at the Pharisees with is that they were adding prohibitions outside of God's Word. And so they say to Jesus, why are your disciples not washing their hands before eating? Now there's nothing wrong with washing your hands. I just shook about 20 of your hands. I certainly hope that you washed them before you came to the worship service this morning. I don't know. The problem is, the Pharisees made washing the hands, their oral tradition that they had passed down, more important than the commandments of God what God had given them Himself. And so they ask Him, they say, why do your disciples break the tradition of the elders? For they do not wash their hands when they eat. And Jesus has a way of just turning the question around. He goes from the surface issue to the heart of the matter. This has happened to Him before when they had talked about fasting. Jesus had been told by others, why do your disciples not fast? We fast. Pharisees fast, why don't you fast? And Jesus had said, why would you fast when the bridegroom is with you? Wait until he's been taken away. It's the same thing on the Sabbath day where they say, why do your disciples eat bread on the Sabbath? Don't you know it's forbidden to pick it up? And Jesus says, man was not made for the Sabbath. The Sabbath was made for man. So enjoy yourself. Pick the ox up out of the ditch. And now here they come to the point where Jesus looks at them. He hears that question, why do your disciples break the tradition of the elders? They do not wash their hands when they eat. And he turns around and he says to them, why do you break the commandment of God? Because of your tradition. Had not God commanded, honor your father and your mother, and whoever reviles father or mother must surely die. We know that commandment's one of the original ten. And he says, but if you say, if anyone tells his father or mother what you would have gained from me is given to God, he need not honor his father. So what the Pharisees were doing is they were taking the law of God and applying it to their own self-interest. They were saying to their parents when they reached old age, I've made a vow to God, therefore I no longer have a vow to you. And we know that something is true of every person in this room, regardless of how you grew up, regardless of the respect or lack of respect you have for your parents, you are not responsible for having good parents, but you are responsible. Rest assured, you are most definitely responsible for being a good son, being a good daughter to those whom God has entrusted you. You have a mandate to care for them in their time of need. And so Jesus says, you hypocrites, You're praying in public so that others will hear you in Matthew 6. You're tossing your change in the offering plate so you can be seen of men. You've spent so much time in the name of serving God that you've failed at the very things He's commanded you to do. You don't honor your father and mother. You don't love your neighbor as yourself. You don't minister to the least of these or share God's good news of salvation. You've fed your body while starving your soul. 
We spend a lot of time focusing on doing things right. Go to a leadership summit, go to a business lunch and a seminar, they will talk to you about doing things the right way. Coaches will tell you that. Nothing wrong with doing things right. The Pharisees would have been leading these seminars. They would have been telling people, do things right, do them with excellence. The problem was the Pharisees were doing things right, they just weren't doing the right things. Because their heart was in the wrong place. Jesus is much more concerned that we do the right things. He tells us, so for the sake of your tradition, verse 6, you have made void the word of God. That statement sounds contradictory if you know the Old Testament because in Isaiah 55, 11, God promises that His Word will not return void. But here we have a message that says the Word of God has been made void for the sake of man-made traditions. And Jesus uses the prophet's own words when He declares, well did Isaiah prophesy of you when He said, this people honors Me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. In vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. You see, Jesus looks beyond the outward appearance towards the inward heart. There's a section in Luke where this is described where a woman comes in to this meeting of Jesus with the disciples and the Pharisees, and the woman comes in, and she goes to the feet of Jesus who's reclining at table, and she begins to pour this expensive alabaster perfume on top of his feet, and then she begins to wipe his feet, not with a towel, but with her hair. And Simon, the leader of the house, the lead Pharisee, knows that this is not lawful in the oral tradition, and so he waits to say something. Jesus reads his mind and says, Simon, I've got a question for you. Who is forgiven more? Who loves the most? The one who is forgiven a little or the one who is forgiven a much? He says, I guess the one who's forgiven much. And Jesus says, you have said, well, I came into this house and you didn't give me costly perfume. You didn't wash my feet with your hair. But this woman has given her all. The matter of the heart. I said, you know, your heart is really the command and control center of controls everything. That's why we describe when we fall in love with someone or we're emotionally involved with an issue or cause. We describe it as heartstrings. Because it can be pulled. What you put in will eventually come out. The things that you think are done privately will inevitably be exposed publicly because the Bible says the secret things of the heart will one day be revealed. And while the world tells you to follow your heart, the Bible tells you that your heart is deceitful. It is desperately wicked. Who can knows it? Perhaps you've heard the expression, the heart wants what it wants. The words Woody Allen used in his infamous interview when he started dating his adopted daughter instead of his wife. What if your heart wants isn't what God Because what the heart wants, left outside of the family of God, what the heart ultimately wants is hell, is it not? To go your own way, to do your own thing, to be your own boss, to live outside of the parameters and boundaries and safety of the will of God. And the danger for us this morning is not that we would fail. People are afraid of failure today. The danger this morning is not that we would fail but that we would succeed at anything and everything except for the battle of the heart. 
Maybe you remember what you were doing on April 20th, 1999. That was the day when Dylan Claybold and Eric Harris stormed Columbine High School. They killed 12 students, one teacher, injured 24 others before taking their own lives. Ten years later, the November 2009 issue of O Magazine featured an article written by Dylan's mother. Her name was Susan Claybold, where she offers her perspective on those events ten years ago. She says the most difficult part of that experience was that she was somehow associated or considered an aid to what her son did. How somehow a survey that was taken shortly after the shootings, 83% of the respondents believed the killings happened because Dylan and Eric's parents did not teach them proper values. And so she writes in this essay, Dylan was a product of my life's work, but his final actions implied that he had never been taught the fundamentals of right and wrong. There was no way to atone for my son's behavior. She goes on to write this, in raising Dylan, I taught him how to protect himself from a host of dangers, lightning, snake bites, head injury, skin cancer, smoking, drinking, sexually transmitted diseases, drug addiction, reckless driving, even carbon monoxide poisoning. Listen to this. It never occurred to me that the gravest danger to him, and as it turned out, to many others, might come from within. The greatest danger we will ever face is ourselves. And God help us if we teach our children everything we think they need to know about life, but we don't teach them about sin. We don't teach them about the greatness of God. We don't raise them to obey His precepts and follow His ways. The Pharisees know the law. They know what it says. But they've just said we're going to accomplish the law in our own way. And so they forsake the Word of God for the Word of man. And when you make a good thing into a God thing, you've got a bad thing. The Pharisee in our heart is always lurking. Church around us grows more religious, less holy. You know, the world is a very religious place. It truly is. Everyone worships something, someone. But if we worship traditions and rituals at the expense of hungering and thirsting after righteousness and we have replaced the image of God with the image of self. So hear me out. If you've got religion, but you don't have a relationship, your religion, James writes, is worthless. And the question I ought to be asking is not will my traditions continue, but will my sins be? And don't think that you or I are exempt from this. Do you know who causes Jesus the most trouble throughout the gospel? Not the lost. The church people. The people who know the Bible, who follow the traditions, who have grown up around it. The greatest battle he fought wasn't from the outside, but from the inside. They knew the commandments of God. They just didn't know the God who wrote the commandments. So how do we respond? I think what we have to have is a change of heart. I have to daily reorient my heart away from sin and toward God. Just as you need to exercise, just as you need to attempt to eat healthy on a regular basis, so also I have to understand that my heart is not going to naturally incline towards God. I don't wake up on Sunday morning and say, man, I would just love to do everything that God has called me to do today. You have to train yourself for that. 
constantly be in His Word, asking God to reorient and redirect your heart. And then I have to commit to standing on the Word of God alone. Part of the problem for the Pharisees is that they exalted their Word on an equal level with God's Word. Folks, what I or anybody else stands up here and tells you isn't important unless it's backed up in the Word of God. And if we begin to exalt our traditions, our thoughts, and our attitudes, saying, what does the Word say to me, unless what does God intend for me to hear? We're in the same boat. And then I think we have to remind ourselves why we do what we do. There's conjecture as to whether or not historians find this to be true, but I thought this was very interesting. I'd heard this before and found some, some paragraphs about it. Do you know the United States Railroad width, right behind us everywhere else, is exactly four feet, eight and a half inches? You wonder, well, why did they measure it to that size? Well, it's easy. They did it because those were the railways in Great Britain. They were four feet, eight and a half inches. Why did they have it like that? Because they used it on their trams before they had the railroad. Why did the trams use it? Well, it's interesting. That was the width of the wagon wheels that were used in London and in other places in England during the 17th, 16th, 15th centuries. Well, why was those wagon wheels four feet, eight and a half inches? Well, because the ruts in the road that the Romans used were so deep that if you tried to make them any narrower or any wider, the wagon would get stuck. And the Romans had made the ruts in the road because their chariots were four feet, eight and a half inches. And the Romans measured the four feet, eight and a half inches by others who had used chariots before them. And someone along some line had decided that four feet, eight and a half inches was just enough room to get the hind ends of two horses together. But it goes beyond just the railroad tries. Get this. It's even in our modern technology. In the rockets that are made nowadays, you know, the ones that, that spread off and help the, help the space shuttle to go into orbit and propulsion, those rockets on the sides have to be no wider than four feet, eight and a half inches. Here's why. The main way we transport them to our space centers is through railroad ties, and when they pass through different mountain passes, a lot of times it's not much wider than four feet, eight and a half inches. So the rockets that are used in outer space with all that technology were ordained and put into space by 3,000 years, somebody deciding how wide the rear end of horses should be. Crazy, isn't it? If we just do what we do because we've always been doing it, rather than looking at how we're doing it, why we're doing it, we miss the whole point of doing it. And so this needs to happen personally and corporately. I need to ask in my own life, why does my child play this sport? I mean, really, why is, why is he doing this? What am I helping to gain? Why do I spend money on this particular hobby? Why do I fill my calendar with these activities? I need to be constantly examining aspects of my life and asking why I do what I do. Is it permissible? Is it God-glorifying? Is it helpful in reaching people for Christ? I need to seriously examine those questions in my own life on a regular basis. And then not only do I need to do this personally, but we as a church also have to do this corporately. And this is where we come to the reason why we do what we do. The reason we worship God 
It's because he is worthy of worship, he is worthy of honor, and he is worthy of praise. You may get a president for four years or eight years, you may have a king for a lifetime, but the king of kings and the lord of lords is never off his throne. He is there eternally, and so he's worthy of worship and worthy of praise, and he has told us in his word, don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together. And so coming to worship with him isn't a choice that I have on my social calendar. It's not something that I place on my level of activities. I do it because it's a priority, because he's commanded it in his word. That's why I do it. The reason we advocate Sunday school is so we can bear one another's burdens. We're meant to live life together. We need accountability. We need friendship. It's important for us to do that outside of the worship service. The reason we launched Crossroads is because we believe God loves Perry County and he's worthy of being glorified by people who are there. And so we want to reach as many people as possible because of that. The reason we get outside these walls, the reason we see everything and everyone around us as a mission field is because we believe God has first loved us. He commands us to show and share that same love with others. You see, the Pharisees are concerned with their outer works, but Jesus is concerned with inner righteousness. If we're honest with ourselves, I mean, really, if we examine our heart of hearts, the truth is we're all hypocrites. That's why we're here. People say, well, I can't come to church. There are hypocrites there. <laughs> Join the club. We all need a new heart. And listen, when the trials of life have you down and you feel like your heart cannot go on, Quote the psalmist David who says, My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart. He is my portion. He is my shield forever and ever. We need a new heart. We need a love for God's Word. This isn't just a book of suggestions. This is my rescue mission. i got to have this Word to survive. And if I have a choice between eating and starving and reading this book, I better read this book first. And then he says, a constant evaluation from the Spirit of God and from the body of Christ. I have to be willing to allow the Spirit to convict me, and I also have to be willing to allow His body to help keep me accountable. And I can't take offense when people ask me where I've been or what's going on in my life. We're being concerned about something that's taking place. I have to realize that if we're part of the body of Christ, we're actually called to do that with one another. My great fear this morning is that I or anyone else would stand before God one day and hear from Him, why did you depart from my commandments for the sake of your tradition? May we hear Him say something far different from that. Blessed are those who obey and keep my word. Hey guys, thanks so much for listening to the broadcast. If you found it helpful, please consider sharing it with your family and friends. For more information, check us out online at barryefields.com.